All right. Hello, gentlemen. Welcome. We have Kevin King, Steve Simonson, Tim Jordan. How are you guys doing? Well, hey, everybody. When I, when I first saw just me and Kevin, I thought I was going to be the good-looking one, and then Steve came in and stole yeah. the thunder. I shaved today just to prove that point. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. So what I want to do is, um, you know, we want to focus a lot on um, some of what's coming up in e-commerce, right? We want to be able to provide some strategies to people uh, on how they can prepare today so that they're ready for what's coming tomorrow. So before we get into the topic, uh, can you guys introduce yourselves a little bit? Tell us what you do, how you uh, help e-commerce Amazon sellers, and how long have you yourself been selling on Amazon? Kevin, why don't you go first? Yeah, so uh, sure. My name is Kevin King. I'm Tim Jordan's best student. Everything I've learned, everything I know, I've learned from him. Uh, <laughs> since 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 one of my other friends retired from the business, you know, Tim's taking the rain. No, <laughs> I'm. Uh, uh, I've been uh, doing e-commerce since the 1990s. Uh, I've been uh, big in direct mail for a long time. I've been selling on Amazon for close to 20 years now. Doing FBA for the last five years. Uh, I've involved in multiple different companies that sell on Amazon and off Amazon, help uh, people learn how to sell on Amazon and people that are already selling on Amazon, help them learn how to take it to the next level. Awesome. Tim. <laughs> I've got nothing to say now that Kevin's completely just derailed <laughs> all of my thoughts. Uh, my name's Tim Jordan. I have been selling on Amazon since about 2015. Um, I work as a consultant, as a coach. I've got an online community. I've also owned a sourcing company and logistics company that operated out of China and uh, in other countries, in fact, too. I've sourced from other countries uh, for a, a pretty long period of time. And I just kind of have my hands in a lot of things in the e-commerce space. So get a lot, get to see a lot of behind the scenes and uh, get excited about it. Awesome. Steve. Well, I'm in good company. Let me just say that. Uh, uh, today's my first day. I'm learning how to source right here on this live podcast uh, or this live <laughs> session. No. So I, I started uh, my first business back in 1988. So over 30 years ago. I'm old. and uh, I was still around. in diapers, Steve. Well, that was... <laughs> That's when I knew I had to get a head start on you. Uh, in 98, I or 96, I had my first website. Uh, in 98, my first transactional website. So I've been doing this an awful long time and sold on Amazon back when they called it Z Shops in around the year 2000, 2001. Uh, and again, FBA, probably when it started in 2009 or 10, then it, it started getting interesting. So we've done a lot of stuff over the time. And just from China alone, we've, you know, in the past 20 years, about 300 plus million dollars. And we've sourced from dozens of countries, so we have a uh, we have opinions uh, about what, how things work. Whether or not we're right, that's a whole other coat of paint. But we got some opinions. Uh, the the topic. So the first question that I want to ask you guys is is very broad, and it's very kind of open ended. So what are some of the major trends or shifts that you're seeing in the overall U.S. e-commerce industry? You know, especially as a side effect of a coronavirus and COVID nineteen and all that's going on. So Kevin, do you want to go first? Sure. Yeah, it's um, it's growing. I mean, it's it's growing leaps and bounds. Amazon's going to report their quarterly earnings, I think, on April thirtieth. Uh, so in about uh, a week or so, and I'm expect analysts are saying they're expecting about a twenty to twenty five percent bump. I personally am expecting it to be higher than that. I think that's an underestimate. Uh, just by looking at the what Amazon's had to do to to cut back everything on on their warehouses and prevent things from being shipping in, the delays. I think they just were completely overwhelmed. Uh, and so I think it's booming and it's not just Amazon, it's off Amazon too, you know, Shopify sites. I know guys, a guy in England, for example, is doing a, 
$100,000 a day uh, selling stuff off his own Shopify <laughs> site. Uh, and so it, it's going gangbusters. Uh, and uh, it's, I think it's, it's going to die off a little bit, you know, once the Corona thing it, uh, goes down, but I think it's going to maintain a pretty healthy click. And a lot of people are getting into it now that may not have, uh, you know, I know even my parents, they're buying stuff online that they would have not done in the past. And people are, it's becoming a habit. You know, they say, what's it take 21 days to make a habit? Um, so it's been 21 days of lockdown for a lot of people. So there's some new habits being formed. And I think those are going to continue. Right. Awesome. Tim, what about you? Yeah, same thing. My old crotchety father-in-law who hates anything online is buying everything online right now. So I think that what's happening is, you know, a direct result of not being able to go to stores is going to turn into an adopted behavior, like Kevin said. I think that right now people are discovering e-commerce and the e-commerce industry is even reacting and uh, maybe even building out services or building out infrastructure that's going to allow them to keep growing. So they're making the tools better. They're making the platforms and resources better and uh, users adopting them. I recently saw some information from a lending company that uh, uses Amazon seller data. So really good API, you know, data to, to track sales. And even with the most recent short term uh, restrictions of inbound shipping. So so a lot of people have actually had less ability to sell products. But even despite that, the average sales across Amazon from all the customers, this company were up 63 percent, 63 percent. So could you imagine if inventory is in what that would be? And kind of like what Steve said, what was interesting is the percentage of increase for Shopify sellers was even higher. So e-commerce is booming right now. And I don't think that it's it's just a temporary blip on the radar. I think the world's becoming accustomed to it. It's a great time to be an e-commerce seller. I mean, there's some categories that just to, to clarify, there's a few categories that are not doing so well uh, right, right now. Yeah. Like tra travel, travel. travel goods. If you sell travel, a neck pillow, yeah. you're hosed. <laughs> <laughs> travel luggage you know a few of those are are taking a hit uh but they'll be back at, at one at some yeah. point right steve what about you do you want to weigh in uh hi guys uh one of my um observations is that in fact th there's an opportunity here for that that tipping point to finally happen right i've been doing e-commerce since the late 90s and each year it grows and certainly there's there's proof in amazon's growth every year for the past 10 years but the behavior changes that are forced, right? Every government program, every every everything is trying to move to contactless, trying to move to this online world. And so people's behaviors, whether they like it or not, are going to be um, reinforced to, to use these online things. So if you're selling things online, that's a really great place to be. All of the temporary problems, uh, there's going to be some, you know, bit of a bell curve, right? Some of the guys who are flying high, that's going to come back down. And some of the people who are kind of in the valley, that's going to come back up. But there there will be a little bit of post-corona um, problems, I, I suspect, as the economies struggle, all of the economies kind of globally struggle to, to get that flywheel turning again. Um, many of the things that are selling right now um, are, it's quote unquote, essentials and things like that. And, and sometimes they're creature comforts, but right now people still have money in their pocket. And I have some concerns about uh, the unemployment and, and, you know, oil prices and kind of all of those macroeconomics that could drive. It doesn't mean I'm afraid and it certainly doesn't mean I'm going to stop, but it does mean I'm going to be a little more cautious than I would have been six months ago. Yeah, I think right. you'll see some of the more luxury items are may have a take a bigger hit than some of the more basic everyday essential commodity type of stuff. Yep. Right. And 
right now we're seeing a lot of people buying toys because everybody's stuck at home and they need to take care of their kids. But I think that, like to Steve's point, six months from now, people are going to be more budget conscious and buy less expensive toys. You know, I think that right now people are sitting at home looking at all the dust bunnies collecting out of their furniture because they have nothing better to do. And they're out buying $600 Dyson vacuum cleaners. And I suspect that that, that demand will start to decrease as time goes on. Yeah, and to right. Steve's point too, I think you know a lot of people are are not really forward thinking. Uh, it's I'm speaking for Americans. I, I, other countries may be different, but for in, the, in the United States, a lot of people aren't forward thinking. They're thinking of right now. How do I survive right now? And what can I do to get by right now? And they're they may have a little bit of savings left, or they're getting some unemployment and everything. Some of these guys are making more off unemployment than they were when they're working with the U- U.S. government handouts. But what I think is a lot of people are missing. It, uh, economically is that a lot of these jobs aren't coming back. Uh, yeah. You know, these, everybody thinks that there's going to be, as soon as there's a magic button or we, we go out of quarantine or whatever, there's a magic pill. All right, great. We're back. I got my job back. I'm off. It ain't going to happen. I think 20 to 30% of the population ain't going to, is not going to have a job. And a lot of these companies that were are laying off people, they're like, you know what? Like, I mean, here's an example, like Chase Bank here in the, in Austin, they have probably 40 branches of their bank. Used to be open till six o'clock every day. You could walk in, see somebody. Now the drive-throughs are only open till four instead of six, and there's only three branches out of thirty some odd that you can actually walk into. And I think they're doing just fine. And so I think what's going to happen is they're going to upper management's going to sit back and look at this and going to go, you know what? Uh, we're actually doing okay here. We don't need to bring all these people back. Maybe a few of them we need to bring back, of course, but we don't need them all. And I think that's going to happen across a lot of industries. So there's going to be a shift. And people and how they make their living for a lot of people. I mean, people like us in e-commerce, we're fortunate. We're in the right place at the right time. But there's going to be a shift, and that's going to affect buying behavior and affect what's going to happen Christmas time and, and down the road to some degree. Right. So let's talk about some of the categories that people are currently buying and will continue to buy. So, of course, there are new categories that people are buying nowadays that they were not buying previously. For example, you know, groceries. So can you talk a little bit about that? What are some of the categories that will see a more long term, uh, you know, consistent increase in online sales? Kevin, I think you said it. Groceries, I think, are number are, are hands down number one. I mean, there's stuff that people are buying now, you know, all the face mask and the sanitizing stuff and all that. And that's all that that's I think is going to maintain a higher level than what it was before. But it is is good. Like Steve said, there's it's going to go down that curve a little bit. But I think it's going to be at a much higher level. People are much more conscious of that. And until there's some sort of cure, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be afraid. And so that's going to be fine. But groceries, I think of anything in e-commerce, anything grocery related related is where it's going to boom. And, you know, this gave you that that. They, a lot of places here in the U.S. have been doing the curbside pickup and the, the grocery delivery. And uh, I think people, once they get over the hurdle now, because there's a lot of stuff that's not available. So a lot of people are having getting frustrated. Like my father, he, he tried to order from a store called Kroger and, uh, and you know, he only had half of the stuff he wanted. He's like, ah, this this thing doesn't work. He never done this. Like Tim said, his father-in-law had never done it before. He never done it. He said, ah, this doesn't work. I said, dad, try it again with this other one. So he tried another store and he, he's like, he got two-thirds of what he wanted. And he ended up going to Walmart and he, ended, he got everything from their delivery or whatever. So now he's happy. So he sees that this actually does work. And so I think you're going to see a lot more people uh, in the grocery and, and uh, it's not just grocery, but it's toilet paper. It's, you know, things that you would buy at a grocery store. I knew you were going to say toilet paper. Someone had to say it. But, <laughs> it's so, things so, you would buy at a grocery store. Yeah. Yeah. So like consumables, like everyday goods, because I think that people used to equate 
like buying online with luxury items or like unnecessary items. Cause if I need it fast, I can't wait two days. Like I have to go down to Walmart and buy it. But I think that, that right now, uh, absolutely people are getting close to that. And to answer your question about categories, I think that what we're going to see is two big changes this year. Right. And those changes are going to go back to like what Steve talked about right now. We have this immediate crisis of everybody sitting at home. So like educational stuff, iPads, uh, toys for sure. Um, I've been buying a lot of like home hardware and home goods because my wife's sitting around with nothing else to do and looking at going, you need to change the hardware on those cabinets. But I think that as we go on, people will start to lose kind of some of that like impulse purchase, you know, impulsiveness, I guess. But they will go back saying, hey, you know, it's kind of nice that I got that 10 pounds of russet potatoes delivered on my front porch without having to go to, you know, the farmer's market. So I think that right now we have a short term reaction that we need to be focusing on adjusting to the long term, you know, reaction to all of this. Right. Steve, do you want to add to that? Uh, Well, I think for me, categories, they're going to keep being a little bit dynamic. Right. And this this bell curve that I described earlier the, the explosion in some of the, the creature comforts, right? So like desks, you know, just exploded, right? Everybody's, they need their home office to be set up. They, they were trying to have creature comfort there in their home office. So desks and all the things that go along with it. Um, so that's that's got a huge spike, but that will certainly probably uh, fall off a bit. Uh, if you're trying to be in the bedazzled avocado slicer business, maybe now's not the time because the, these luxury items uh, that the guys uh, referred to earlier, that's not going to be where people put their money. In my view, there's a lot of unintended consequences coming. And these unintended consequences include things like hospitals closing, right? Why would a hospital close? Well, they have no coronavirus patients and they have no surgeries and they have no other regular stuff because they're supposed to just wait for corona people and they're not showing up. Now the hospitals are laying off people and so on. So when you have that and you have the things like Kevin talked about with banks, there's a lot of this stuff that makes me aware that there's pain coming. So that means maybe in some ways you have to move down market. That bedazzled avocado slicer will have to be just a, a, a wooden spoon that you're going to have to cut your avocados with, right? And and you'll just live with it. You'll be all right. Well, Tim's already got one of those. Sorry, Tim. I, that was his next product development. I'm sorry. I blew that one. You, you said cut an avocado with a wooden spoon. I'm pretty sure I've seen my wife try to do that before. <laughs> That's technology. That's what I know. So th- there will be changes, right? Obviously, when there's no travel happening, not just the airlines, not just the hotels, but all the travel-related accessories that the guys talked about earlier are being decimated, right? And who's going to go buy a new package of uh, luggage right now? It's just not not going to happen. So I would recommend anybody in those really um, distressed categories, figure out how to pivot, figure out a way to you know line up some wholesale deals or just figure out a way to kind of survive. And, and to whatever extent you can uh, either broaden your line or diversify your line. Do what it takes to uh, you know fight another day. Another one category I think is going to be big is anything environmentally related because you're seeing there's a lot of studies that have come out like, look, all the cars are off the road, all the people are off the streets. You know, in India, for example, you could see the the mountains. You know, from uh, out there. You, I mean, there it's everywhere. It's and so yeah. people are going to be like, holy cow. You know, this environmental stuff really was causing some problems. And there's going to be a, I think anything environmentally related could have a, a big, uh, big, be a big opportunity as well for people. That's great. And of course, health supplements and, you know, the entire uh, immunity boosting kind of uh, products. You've got superfoods like turmeric and ashwagandha and all of these kind of things that are coming from India as, as well. We're seeing an increased uh, demand for those kinds of products too, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's going to continue. Uh, people are yeah. more aware of this. They're they're taking you know the hedge move on anything Corona related is to be healthy, right? And so everybody's going to do. Everybody has kind of their own. Uh, I don't know, supplement religion, right? If they believe in this certain thing. And so they, that's where they are going to go get all of their vitamins and minerals and supplements and whatever. And there's a whole group of these things. Those, those categories are exploding right now. I mean, that is, that is yeah. definitely the best category as far as I can tell. Retail's and not going to go continue. away. Either. Retail's yeah. not going to go away either. I mean, everybody's stuck right now inside, you know, but a lot of stores, even like here in Austin where I live, you know, like the party city, you know, I, I could actually order online and go, drive up in front of the party city party store and I was one of three cars there so my wife needed something for a birthday thing and the manager actually went and picked it off the shelf and brought it out to me uh, but but <clears throat> so a lot of stores are still going to be around and a lot of people still like to go and just touch things you know sometimes you just want to go to the grocery store and like I don't want to just order these five things all the time I, I want to go see what the new stuff is or what the, what's on sale special or something so there's that's not going away but e-commerce is going to take a slice out of that for sure a bigger slice mm -hmm. than it has been Okay, awesome. So let's talk about Amazon FBA specifically. So what are some of the changes that you see happening on Amazon FBA? You know, are there going to be more sellers, more sellers from China, more competition? What are some of the changes you see? Uh, Steve, do you want to go first? Well, yeah, one of the things is it's going to be more competitive, right? People are, everybody who's under duress is trying to figure out their own pivot point. And that includes the retailers, right? Hey, we've got drive up curbside pickup now or or we're selling online now. The eBay's got a big initiative to bring Main Street online. Hey, put your inventory on eBay right now. And I think that those types of evolutionary moves are important and, and people will do that to just figure out, you know, to follow the money, I suppose. But one of the things, uh, you know, I think the United States in particular with the FTC regulations, there's going to be some impacts there. Um, those are happening in the background. We have a number of uh, people in the Empowery Cooperative that are testifying and, and giving testimony, essentially saying, here's how we think it's going over at Amazon. Here's what we like. Here's what we don't like. And that anti, it's a monopoly investigation. I don't know if you guys are aware, but for those who are not, uh, essentially they're being investigated by the United States government for monopolistic behaviors. That could really be a significant shift in the future. Not, not three months from now, but a year from now when the government finally does something that could really put some serious uh, regulatory burdens on sellers. Overall, I think it's really good because it'll get rid of all the riffraff. Anybody who's kind of trying to cheat their way on is not going to be able to survive. So I'm talking about things like insurance and U.S. bank accounts and you know uh, tax IDs and, and kind of proof that you're living within the system. This has already worked pretty well in Europe. So I expect there to be some pretty big changes in that regard. Right. Tim? Yeah, um, I feel like I feel like right now there's a little bit of a misunderstanding about why Amazon's doing what it's doing in regards to FBA. Okay, we're seeing some really big change. I think people don't understand the cause of that. We know that last month when Amazon said, "Hey, third-party sellers, stop sending your stuff in. You you can't send any things in." Like the world freaked out. I freaked out. Like I was running around in my front yard looking up, you know, wait for the sky to fall on my head. But it wasn't because Amazon was shutting down and Amazon was slowing down. It was because so many people were buying things that Amazon couldn't keep up shipping stuff out. Right. So like the short term problem is actually because of a long term good thing, like it, like it's a positive. So we've seen Amazon react, you know, when when 
every bar in the U.S. is closing and every restaurant is shutting down and the hotels are shutting down. And the airlines are, you know, basically dead. Amazon quietly announces we're hiring 100,000 warehouse workers. And there's people that thought, oh, well, this is just a PR stunt. And then three weeks later, they're like, OK, let's hire. Right. So Amazon, I don't know if you got that, but Amazon now no, is hiring, hire, hire 75,000 so, more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was on the edge of my seat. I didn't know what, what was happening. Oh my gosh. Hundred thousand to seventy-five thousand. So I definitely think that that for Amazon we're um we're experiencing like a short-term blip and long-term problem. When Amazon restricted the uh the ability for people to send in uh products to FBA, you know who the biggest victim of that was was Chinese sellers. Because U.S. sellers could do a lot of fulfilled by merchant. They could bring stuff into 3PLs. Chinese sellers couldn't. Most of them don't have a 3PL. They're shipping straight to Amazon. So I think that there's all these crazy changes that are happening that are very short term. A lot of two month, three month um, reactionary type scenarios. But I think long term, what Steve said is, is, is absolutely right. For the next 12 months, you're going to see a bunch of competition because everybody that worked in a restaurant, in a bar, in a hotel, like they're sitting at home not getting a paycheck. And they're online figuring out ways to make money. And a lot of them will come to Amazon. But I do think that as not just the U.S. government, but I think that just as Amazon increases their uh, level of required professionalism, maybe, and as cross-border trade becomes a little bit more difficult for the DIYers, including, you know, maybe Chinese suppliers, I think that it will force a scenario where there's higher demand, there's more infrastructure, but where the more legitimate people that play by the rules, like Steve talked about, are selling. So I think going back to short-term and long-term, I think short-term we're going to see a lot of competition, but I'm not going to be discouraged by that. I'm actually going to be encouraged because I think that as long as I can hold out, I can do my part, I can, you know, wade that moat of, of, you know, struggle for a short period of time, as long as I'm standing on the other side of 12 months, I should be in the top 1%. Right. Kevin, do you have anything to add to that? Um, yeah, I agree with with both of them that I think Amazon's going to tighten up some of the rules. They've already started that process. They've already started trying to move more towards brands with the brand registry and other steps they've taken in the last few years. But I think you're going to see that accelerate. And they want more legitimate people, and they actually may go back in time. People that are already selling, they may kick some people off if they can't produce the, the proper documents. Like Steve said, insurance. You know, insurance has been a requirement since I've been selling on Amazon to have – general liability insurance, if you're doing over $10,000 a month for three months in a row, I think is what it says, unless they've updated it recently. No, they don't enforce that. Virtually nobody has that. Nobody has product insurance. No, I mean, good sellers like we do, I mean, that's on here, but most people don't. Uh, they're, they're skirting all the rules. Amazon's also, you know, because they got so overwhelmed, they've taken a lot of stuff off the site. You know, they've cut affiliate commissions way down. Like, don't please don't send us any more traffic. A lot of the little, <laughs> a lot of the little nug, uh, little uh, options on the site have gone away. Like, customers who viewed this also viewed that, or uh, you know, recommended with it. A lot of those little uh, little things have gone away, and some of those may or may not come back. Amazon may be, may be like kind of like the banks I said earlier. Maybe like, you know what? That was a pretty good experiment. We're more people are buying ads now in those spots. So we don't need to necessarily show that. Or who knows what's going to happen there. But and I, and I agree, there's going to be more competition coming on because like the, the people that don't have a job, they're going to be like, maybe I can make some money on selling e-commerce. And you're going to have a lot of stores that are going to say, they've got a little shop on Main Street. And they're like, you know what, why don't we just throw our stuff up on Amazon uh, and try to get some extra money. It's kind of like Steve said, you know, we'll, we'll have the to-go orders or the drive-through orders or, or whatever. But the problem is I see that as competition and a lot of people coming in, but most of those people don't know what the heck, heck they're doing. 
And so they think that Amazon is just, we put it up there and it's going to work. Uh, let's list it. And they don't know how to create a listing. They don't know how to do anything. And some of them maybe will hit a home run, but the vast majority of them are going to fail. And they're going to say, ah, that e-commerce, that Amazon stuff just doesn't work. And it's because they don't know how to do it. So that's a great opportunity for people that do know how to do it out there. Maybe you got... You want to get a little side hustle uh, to make some extra money. You've already been selling on Amazon. You're a little cash strapped or something, but you kind of know how to play the game. You could go help these people. Uh, and I think there's going to be a big cottage industry pop up of, of consultants. And some of them are going to be good and some of them are going to really suck. Um, but uh, a lot of people are going to be paying these consultants, not knowing if they are good or suck, to try to help them get onto Amazon. And I think that's going to be a whole new job title that's going to be happening in the next year. Right. Um, so, guys watching, if you have any questions, please type them in the comments uh, box over here on Facebook, and I will uh, read them out to the panelists. So, let's talk about some of the non-Amazon e-commerce platforms. You know, what sort of platforms do you expect to emerge, and what are the advantages of uh, you know some of the other platforms? Steve, do you want to go first? Well, I'm I'm a multi-channel guy. I like to sell in different places because I think a lot of the customers are unique in those different marketplaces. Uh, it's, it's kind of an immature assumption to assume that if you put it on Amazon, then somebody's going to find it. Uh, the, the eBay to Amazon overlap is, is maybe 15% of the customers. So by listing on eBay, even though Amazon is going to drive more sales, uh, you know, at this moment, you're still picking up a new customer base. Uh, it's, it's, Again, it's going to be a, a lower level. Walmart.com has shown some some good life in this. They also have hired seventy five or one hundred thousand people um, during this uh, coronavirus situation here in America. So, you know, the the challenge today, and this is actually the reason behind the monopoly investigation, is there really is no good competitor online for them. Mm. There are other sites who sell stuff without a doubt, and there are other channels you can sell in that are substantial without question. But Amazon is kind of the beginning and end. They have become the backbone of kind of Western society's uh, infrastructure. And that's, <laughs> that's an incredible accomplishment. And you have to give them a full credit and you got to salute them. And then you got to beg them to not suspend you. That's, uh, that's the order. <laughs> Those are the steps. So, uh, <laughs> and so anything I say here that annoys you, Amazon, my apologies. But uh, no, I, I do think there's opportunity elsewhere. In a lot of different countries, there's a lot of other marketplaces. And all you have to do is just get a little Scooby snack going and, and just get a little something going. And that can help you long term, especially as Amazon ticks off all the affiliates and who knows who else. I mean, like like yeah. Steve said, I mean, Amazon, if Amazon hadn't been in the position they, were, they had been in, especially I'm speaking for the United States specifically, uh, a lot of people would have been screwed right now because a lot of they have the, the warehouses and the distribution and the network to actually fulfill a sudden rush of demand that just happened with the coronavirus, which would have been very difficult for a lot of other companies or a hodgepodge of companies that were uh, doing. So they, they kind of saved uh, the U.S.'s tail. Uh, and to a lot of people's tail in some degree, but I think there's, like Steve said, you should diversify off. Amazon's a great place to start. It's a, it's got a lot of eyeballs. You don't have to drive your own traffic uh, if you know what you're doing. Um, I mean, maybe to launch your product and stuff, you got to do some of that. But if you really know what you're doing, you can take advantage of that. But off Amazon can be big too. I mean, like I said earlier, I know the guy's doing a lot on Shopify, and Shopify is making a big push. I mean, Shopify is not the only guy in town. There's WooCommerce. There's several of them, shopping platforms. But Shopify is making seems to be making the biggest push with it now they have their own they integrate their own email platform where you, you know you don't have to go out and ha 
manage your email somewhere else. They have their own fulfillment service that they're starting. Uh, they're doing, they're really trying to make a big push there. Uh, and so I think you're going to see some of that. And to Steve's point, there's stuff I've had to buy in the last month during the coronavirus that I can't get on Amazon. You know, there's things that I want and I have to go find it somewhere else. So it's not the only place. Um, and there's, there's plenty of opportunity outside of that. And I think there's a big push too on more native, like social media shopping right. places like Facebook marketplace is blowing up right now. Um, I, I, I haven't dug into this. Maybe the other two of you could elaborate on this, but I've seen headlines in the past 24 hours that Google shopping is now free. Like it's free to post stuff on Google shopping. And I don't know if that's because, you know, they're making a big play in the, in the increased demand or whatever it is. But I think that a lot of eyeballs are now focusing on e-commerce and Amazon's amazing. I love it. You know, Ford owned the automobile industry in the U.S., but Chevy came along, too. And I think that if we keep our eyes open, we're going to see the next Chevy. We're going to see the next, you know, Dodge or Chrysler come out because everybody's watching what's going on with Amazon. Everybody's going to want peace. And as as you look at like Amazon and how innovative it is, like Steve said, it's still 20 years old. And I think that another five years, we're going to see some really big contenders coming into play that are going to continue to change the landscape of e-commerce. Right. Do you also see more innovation happening in terms of, you know, maybe live streaming on Facebook um, for for online selling? That's really picked up in China, but I don't think it's picked up in the U.S. Uh, significantly. Amazon does have Amazon Live, but I don't see it, it be- being very popular nowadays, right? What it's do you not, think of social media? Yeah, it's not like it is in China. China's yeah. a whole different they're China's yeah. way ahead uh, on the yeah. payments, payments, payment methods. They're, I mean, on a lot of technology, they're way ahead. And it hasn't picked up here. I do think there's opportunity uh, right. in that. It's basically infomercials, you know, yeah. type of stuff. Yeah. Um, it, but it, it, it's, for whatever reason, it's slow right now. But right I now. even see, I and, and Steve's, or Kevin's completely right, like, gringos just don't adopt these new things very fast. But even the things that were gaining some momentum, like these live streams and the social media stuff, and it's kind of slowed down because all of these big platforms that we sell on are kind of putting a pause on those accessories and those cutting edge things because they just got to keep up with their core product right now. So I think that in six or eight months, you know, we're going to see a a big push for those new things because companies are going to go, all right, we're all in on e-commerce. I cut out again. But right now I feel like things are actually slowing down a little bit. Like, like what Kevin talked about, some of those uh, specialized display place and stuff, because people just have to get kind of caught up. Those are the things that people like a lot of folks, once they've maxed out something, they like, okay, how can I get a little, squeeze a little bit more juice from, from the, from the orange. And that's where they go and do the lives and other stuff. There's so much demand and so much opportunity right now. A lot of people like they don't need to do that. I mean, mm-hmm. you could, so it, it's, uh, it, you know, China's 1.3 billion or whatever the number is people versus 300 million in the U.S. So it, it's a little bit more competitive as well. Right. Okay. Let's take some questions from the audience over here. So uh, Andrew is asking, should I liquidate my stock for the travel luggage category or hold until COVID gets better? Who wants to take this question? Uh, my internet's cutting out. I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, listen, I'm not even sure. Look at Kevin's frozen. Now, <laughs> Kevin's frozen. <laughs> I, I will just say this. I don't even know how you could liquidate it right now at any price yeah. that would yeah. be viable. And so if you can hold it, I would I would hold it and you know try to recover later. If you're in a desperate situation, then yes, you should try to at least uh, you know do the, your best to, to break even. But this is not a time – like I'll give you an example. 
I had a deal to sell a bunch of stuff to TJ Maxx, which is a big retailer. There's a whole big chain here. They have home goods, they have TJ Maxx, they have Marshalls. I, I don't know, a whole bunch of different uh, things. And we had a deal and we we're going to sell on their online platform. Well, they, they closed their stores. And I'm like, you know, um, I get it. Everybody's closing their retail stores. I, that's fine. But they also closed their online, which I don't get, right? That's no. the opposite of what I get. And so, yeah. um, and, and I, I don't know how to explain it, but the parallel I'm making is there's not rational thinking going on, Andrew. <laughs> there's a lot of things that are irrational happening. So bide your time if you can. If you can't, then you just got to make the very best of it and, and try to recapture your cash. You know, when we have things that we don't think are going to sell in the future, we call that trash, move the trash to cash. But at some point, if you already had good products, those will sell in the future. So maybe bide your time. It depends on what you have. One of the things I might do is try to repurpose that for and re almost rebrand it. So if uh, I don't know what you're selling, but, you know, for example, if you got luggage, if you have actual suitcases, maybe you can change those into wine storage units or for people or, or, or something like that. <laughs> or, or no, I'm, I, I, the wine suitcases or, or whatever, you know, if you carry your wine and stuff in to go to the party or picnic type of things, or if you have little bags that people were using to put all their little, uh, uh, clothes and the sundries and stuff in when they travel maybe you switch that into it's something the store kid the the clothes for the kids or to pack things away or, or try to repurpose as much as you can and just rebrand it or remarket it into a different mindset and sometimes you can get rid of some stuff that way it um that's one of the things i would be looking at right and of course amazon is all about keywords so you can maybe try to look at what keywords are you know what other keywords people are searching for and try to use those kinds of keywords that are not travel related. Okay, we've got another question from Hami. Um, my understanding is consumable goods are high volume, low margin that need big dollars to step in. Maybe not good for small sellers. Am I right? What low volume, higher margin niches would become more popular? So first, first part of his question, consumables, how easy is it to get into consumables? And especially if you're talking about things like food items, uh, of course, there you know there's FDA requirements and other things, but yeah. what do you guys think? Um, so I don't think the answer is whether it's a consumable or not. I think it's whether it's an, a well-known consumable. The truth is very few of us are going to be successful selling brown paper bags and toilet paper and, you know, like the consumables we know that are out there. But the truth is there are emerging consumable markets every single day. I mean, who five years ago would have ever thought that dried out apple cider vinegar pills were going to be popular. But now they're a massively huge consumable. Like everybody wants apple cider vinegar pills, right? So I think that we're looking at consumables. Don't go for the consumables that you even know exist yet. But I think that you can go for the consumables that are less known, so less volume. But remember, when we think about like less volume, if we said only 1% of the population of the U.S. knew about this product or were looking for this product, that's still a huge number of people. Right. And if you're only one one of two or three people selling that thing, that's massive. So I don't think the question is whether or not you should sell consumables. I think the answer applies to any type of product. If there's a lot of it out there already. Yeah, you're going to have to dip your margins. You're going to have to have humongous amounts of inventory to try to rank that stuff and sell it. But whether it's consumable or not, find those products that have less competition, even if they have less demand, because I think that your profit margin can be higher and you might sell a third number of products but your profit margin is going to be a lot more, you know, overall. Right. Kevin, Steve, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I wouldn't stay away from consumables. I mean, certain consumables are low margin. I mean, you, if you're talking about like some of the supplements and some of those things, but there's plenty of opportunity in consumables, uh, tons, and they're not all 
they're not all low margin products or take a lot of money to get into. I mean, it, it, uh, yeah, so I, I would disagree with that part of the statement. Okay. What are some examples of consumables that, um, you know, people could get into? You mentioned, of course, uh, supplements, Tim. What are some of the other things that you can think of? Any ideas that you can throw out for people here? Uh, all the ones that come to my mind, I can't say on air. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, let's Steve, go to the next you're question. supposed to chime in and say something. <laughs> I, I had a smart alecky comment, but I kept it to myself. <laughs> <laughs> Scooby, no, snacks. What it was. Scooby snacks. Those are those are consumables. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Anup is asking, how do you see the prospect of genuine leather goods, bags, and accessories? So I guess these are more high end kind of products. So you know, it could be a broader question. Like in the next few months, what sort of uh, prospects do you see for? higher end products i think leather is better is a more of a unless you're a well-known brand name that's more of a touch and feel thing uh so i mean high-end leather you want to be in a shop and like oh yeah this is really nicely done it's good craftsmanship good hand, hand uh i think it's a little more difficult i think it's a great product i love great uh, genuine leather stuff but it unless you're known it's a little bit hard to do that online i, th I think in my opinion it, it it's a little bit more challenging. People have to know how do I trust it's it's really genuine leather and this is of good quality when they don't really know you. Yeah. Right. And remember, genuine leather is probably going to be a more expensive luxury item. Mm -hmm. And you know, like what Steve was talking about in the next six, nine, twelve, eighteen months, that might be a little harder to sell. Right. Yeah, I would just add on and contradict myself if I may. And by doing that, I also contradict Tim. Uh, <laughs> the <laughs> I do see that the Gucci's and the Louis Vuittons and those guys, uh, Cartier, those guys are going to struggle more than a an independent player selling premium grade goods, right? In fact, there's there's an argument that is, hey, I make great genuine leather, really cool stuff. I, I'm not selling at the Louis Vuitton price, I, but I have this premium feel, this premium offering. Uh, Kevin's right. You do have to come up with a way to demonstrate that. Maybe you have your own site. Maybe you send out samples. There could be any number of ways. Maybe you do the video things you were talking about, Megla. Uh, maybe you have just a, an amazing warranty that's like, hey, you know, you got 30 days to try it out, send it back if you don't like. Whatever it is, you have to find a way to differentiate. You know, it's it's certainly not the easiest thing probably, but it's it's also, you know, doable if you, you know, solve the puzzle correctly. I think the way you'd have to do that, uh, I'm sorry, I forgot it's not on the screen anymore, the name. Uh, the way you'd have to do that is you need to come up with a really good story. Uh, Anup, if you can come up with a really good story, and like Steve said, if you're this is handcrafted in a village in, in India or where, wherever you're from, you know, and you have some pictures of someone, you're you're helping the local guys recover from the coronavirus and get their life back together, and we make this by hand, caring love, and it's a whole storyline of pictures and shows shows everything. I think that could actually work online and help you differentiate something like that. Awesome, that's great advice. Um, okay, let's see if we have more questions. So Raj is asking, could you share some pr your perspective and categories you think will be in high demand? I think we already covered this at the beginning. Raj, if you didn't if you didn't watch uh, at the beginning of the show, you can watch the replay. Um, Vicky, I'm from India and would like to sell in USA. What will be the best products for Indian sellers to start with? So Tim, you've been to India um, and at the Delhi Fair. What are some of the products you think might be popular from India or might be sellable from India in the next few months? Well, Megla, you know my answer to this. <laughs> no, I don't. It's not about <laughs> products. It's about keywords. 
right? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I can't say, hey, wooden kitchen accessories are going to be great or, you know, leather messenger bags are going to be great. I think right. that regardless of where you're sourcing from, you have to find a keyword opportunity. Now, that being said, let me go back and address what Steve said to, um, you know, contradict me. If we're looking at, if I'm looking at this product right here, which is, it's a little thing that holds like um, gadgets and cords. Oops, and, the, the comment is covering it. Yeah, oh, there. little gadgets, yeah. And cords and phone chargers and stuff like that. I, I think the point that I was making earlier is, if I were going to sell an $80 version of this, that's really fine leather. I think people are going to go for the $10 one of these, but if people are looking for that Gucci or that Louis. Okay. I'm back. One of those bags, then a hundred dollar version of that bag is right. So I think that Steve wasn't necessarily contradicting me. I think we were talking about two different products. So as long as you can compete with a product that was normally a thousand dollars or a $1,200 bag, and you've got, a really nice Buffalo leather Indian made messenger bag that you can sell for 90. I think that you're in really, really good shape. So for India, what I experienced is really, really high quality product, you know, high quality products and high quality items. Um, but regardless of whether or not you've got your product, as long as you can find a keyword that has some opportunity, you know, low in demand, high competition, I think India is a great place to be, to be sourcing products right now. And I know this is controversial. I don't know. Maybe Steve has an opinion about this, but I think that, just because of maybe ignorance and naivety, there will be a backlash for a while about buying Chinese made products. I think there will. I think that it's unfair. It's a little bit silly, but I think that the world right now is angry at China. So I think that maybe there's an opportunity for those Vietnamese or Indian or Central or South American made products. One of the opportunities coming out of India too, I forget the exact number, but isn't something like 60 or 70% of the world's uh, medicine ingredients come from India and then they're sent yeah. to China and made in China and then they ship to the rest of the world. So anything like we said earlier about health and holistic and, and taking care of yourself, if, if there's some really unique, cool Indian herbs or traditions or concoctions that are really not known in the West yet, uh, there may be good opportunity on some of that kind of stuff uh, as, as well. Right. Okay, next question is from Raj. Um, how do you handle Amazon's new quantity restrictions in shipping, especially for international sellers? You get a 3PL. Got to get a 3PL. Now, yeah. <laughs> what, Steve, Kevin, what are you guys seeing? Are you seeing that quantity of 50? It depends on what you're selling is what I'm seeing. It depends yeah. on... And, 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 you know, Amazon, the whole point of this, and Amazon, this is what we're saying earlier, some of the changes in Amazon, they're, you know, they've taken advantage of this situation. Amazon cracked down a couple of years ago and started charging high storage fees. You know, they really raised their storage fees because Amazon says, look, we're not a freaking warehouse. We're not your warehouse. We're a fulfillment center. We'd rather have this stuff come in just as we need it, you know, a few days before we need it, and then it goes right back out the door. We don't want to be storing stuff. And a lot of people are, are especially international sellers, or even people in the U.S. have taken courses like, oh, should send all 1,000 of your units to Amazon, and they'll hang on to them for you. It's easier. It's cleaner. But Amazon doesn't want that. So they, the way you have to get around that, Selva, is you're going to have to get a 3PL in the United States who can – you ship your 1,000 units, and then they send them in at 50 or 100 or whatever the number is at time. In the end of the day, it's a little bit more work for you, a little, maybe another another uh, phone call and email you got to make uh, periodically. Uh, but it'll probably actually save you a little bit of money too. Yeah, I would just jump in to say that, you know, I, I would just – what 
there's a Wall Street Journal article published a couple of days ago where more or less I was defending Amazon because it is unfair for sellers. You know, I had a bunch of my stuff restricted. Most of my stuff was restricted from replenishment at Amazon because most of my stuff, uh, the vast majority, I'm talking about 95% was non-essential stuff. And, you know, was I thrilled about it? Do I miss the sales? Yeah, I do. But I already have three PLs and Merchant Fulfilled and all that uh, set up I have for years. Uh, but the, the defense of Amazon is there's, there's a cubic space problem in a warehouse. There's only certain number of dock doors. There's only certain number of physical humans and robots and trucks that you can move in and out of a physical space. These limitations are not uh, on a whim. These are real practical physical limitations. And so um, Amazon has to do these things that Kevin just discussed and, and Tim has alluded to. They have to charge more for long-term storage. You're not efficient for them. So we're going to charge you more until you take the stuff out of here. They have to make these decisions about quantity limitations until they see movement that rationalizes the um, you know higher quantity. So I actually appreciate the fact that Amazon is bringing a data approach. I don't love the missing sales. I don't think it's uh, if you rely 100% on Amazon, you kind of got laid off in that that decision. But that doesn't make it a bad decision for the world. It doesn't make it a bad decision for Amazon as a company. It just means you got caught in a little bit of the crossfire. And by having a 3PL and being prepared, uh, you can then uh, adapt and modify your, you know, whatever your future strategies are. Perfect. Okay, Catherine is asking, if you use another platform, do you link it to Amazon to use their FBA facilities? But that's not allowed now, right? I mean, is there a restriction on that? You can do some of that with Shopify and other things, but uh, I, I don't think they're right now that effective. I, I don't even know if they're doing it. Kev, maybe you know. I'm sorry, my I lost my connection. What was the question? I missed it. Can the like can you? Yeah, oh, sorry, yeah. Megla, go I, ahead. So, if you're using another platform, do you link it to your Amazon to use their FBA facilities? Oops, Kevin's. Uh, it looks like so, he might have frozen. This is yeah. this is something I've done, and I've used like the old software was Joe Lister. The one that I like now is um, Listing Mirror. And what was interesting is I think that Amazon kind of even forgot about it because when Amazon changed their delivery time, you know, we all logged in, and looked at our products as a buyer, and it's like, oh, you know, our stuff's not going to be delivered for another month. People were buying those products on Etsy or eBay or Shopify, and they were shipping in two days. So about a week ago, Amazon changed that and said, "Okay, third-party fulfillment slowing down now too." So I think that it's a fine option, Catherine. I've been doing it for probably five years now. I think it's awesome, but I think that because Amazon is restricting the ability of, of you know their ability to move stuff, I think now is the time to start looking at using a third-party fulfillment center to. Uh, handle those other platform shipments for you. I, I totally agree with Tim. The one, one thing I just want to say, we don't know what's coming in the future, right? We don't know if there's a second wave. We don't know how the fall and the winter will be. I hope we never face this again. I hope all this mask stuff, I hope it all goes away. Uh, I'd like to just blank it out of my mind, but let's assume that we can't predict the future. We should be prepared is my, uh, what I believe. Right. So we've got another question. Do you think the development of what do you think of the development of e-commerce in emerging markets such as South Africa? Now, I know that uh, in India, of course, e-commerce is growing very significantly. But do you have any insights into other countries, uh, you know, South Africa or South, South Africa? The Middle East are blowing up. Uh, South yeah. America, you can do a really good job with Mercata. 
there, listen, there's opportunity everywhere. It, you really have to just def- decide how big is the market? What's it going to take to capitalize the cost of being in that market? And is that capital, the amount of money you have to invest to make it work, best spent there or somewhere else? Right. And that's these are just macroeconomic questions. So if you if you have five thousand dollars to put into South Africa, maybe it makes sense to do that if you have a total South African supply chain and it's all easy to execute locally. But if you're still sourcing from overseas and you got to bring in the product, maybe it makes more sense to put that money to work in the US or the UK or somewhere else in the EU. Right. Makes sense. Let's take a couple more questions and then we'll start wrapping up over here. So Ruben is asking is, as events and people gathering is discouraged nowadays, what do you think is a future market for gifts and premiums items? And this is kind of tied into a question I wanted to ask you guys. Like, how do you think all of this is going to affect Christmas shopping? Is there going to be more Christmas shopping happening online? And uh, what kind of changes do you see happening, you know, for Christmas gift shopping? So let's talk about gifts in the form of parties. Party supplies are dead. Nobody's buying 50 packs of unicorn, you know, birthday cake toppers. It's not happening. But gifts are always going to be given. Grandma is still going to buy that gift for their grandchild. But when they used to go to Walmart or Pennies, as my grandma always did, JC Pennies or any of those supermarkets or brick and mortar stores, now they have to do it online. So I'm seeing party supplies going down, but I'm seeing gifted items going way up. And think about all the Black Friday sales. Think about all of those tens of thousands of people that would be lined up outside Walmart on Black Friday, you know, shopping for those deals for Christmas presents. People are still going to give presents, but they're going to be shopping online. So I think that this year's Q4 on Amazon is going to be ridiculously huge compared to the last year's. I think it's going to be even bigger because I think we're going to be on phase two or three of this uh, coronavirus thing. So I think, uh, at least in the United States, maybe Asia, they're doing a much better job. But I, I'm of a firm believer that here in the U.S., there's, there's some states are starting to open up. We're going to go through like a phase two at some point this summer where they pull back. And until there's a cure or a pill uh, that will help solve this, I think uh, come November, December timeframe combined with the flu, the flu combined uh, with what's going on, I think we're going to have another kind of a lockdown situation. So I think I think Christmas this year is going to be huge online. Huge. Right. And now is the time for third-party sellers and importers to start planning for Christmas and start thinking about that, uh, thinking about placing orders for Christmas. So, and, and to um, your point earlier about, you know, where Amazon started restricting, we were talking about they were restricting what you can send in and hiring all these workers. Amazon prepares for the fourth quarter. They know that. They start preparing now and start ramping up and wrapping up systems and, and, and so that they're ready for that uh, November to December January timeframe, the the COVID thing was like, yeah, we knew something's going to come, but it just happened in like a, a matter of a couple of weeks. It's like overnight, it was like boom, and, and so they weren't prepared. So now is the time, uh, you know, June. You should have Christmas stuff in Amazon's warehouses, and if you're afraid they're going to be start limiting, you know, this limiting is going to be 50, 50, 50, or whatever. Get the stuff in there now, uh, or, or or at least over here close by, and get ahead of this and. Get ahead of all the rush for shipping and air rate, uh, you know. And start planning your other fulfillment stuff. Go ahead and get a contract in place with a 3PL. Go ahead and find two or three 3PL options. Find two or three different shipping options. Like, like make sure that all your eggs are not in one basket because it's going to get it's going to get really crowded come later on this year. Mm -hmm. This is the ultimate danger: is that sellers, you cannot delay your Christmas planning, and and this is a time where. Many of us have found our sales to be down or idling. Uh, so we have kind of the perfect storm. 
it's like sales suck, but I have to buy Christmas inventory. How's that going to work? Right. I mean, you really have to start thinking about this and, and start getting creative because if you don't buy that stuff, there will be, again, all kinds of unintended consequences. I can't even predict, but we've already seen air freight rates going uh, sky high because of uh, the lack of commercial traffic. Uh, you can expect that same problem to exist in the fall, potentially with the um, surge into ocean shipping and so on. So there's just so many things that preparation really is your best uh, defense against the unknown, I suppose. The other one is Prime Day. You know, I, they moved it. It's not happening in July as normal. They're saying the, the rumor is it's August now, but I don't know if that's going to happen then. Uh, Amazon may say, you know what, we're busy enough. We don't need that. Um, or if they do it, it may they may do it around some sort of a give back to, you know, society theme or, or something. They come up with some unique marketing angle. It's not just a Prime Day. It's, there's some other aspect to it. So as soon as they we get some sort of inclination on that, if – that's something that you got to prepare for as well. Right. So we've got some nice comments here, such great information. And uh, Tim, to your comment earlier, Tiffany <laughs> says she wants unicorn toppers. <laughs> Boy, don't we all? Don't we all, <laughs> Tiffany? You're quite right. <laughs> awesome. This has been so great. Thank you so much all for your time. So uh, before we leave you, can you tell us how can people reach out to you or give us more information about any courses or you know, any services that you offer, Tim, do you want to go first? Oh man, that's tough. Um, yeah, just look <laughs> me up, uh, on Facebook under private label Legion. Uh, there's a free Facebook community and group that we put content and we've got a page. So there's a lot, a lot that I do, but I guess that's the first place to start. Just go to Facebook and join the group private label Legion. Yeah. And I'm going to give you a bit of a plug here. So <laughs> Tim has some great content. You have to check out his mastermind. I think you, do you offer a course, Tim? No, I have a, a group coaching program called the Centurion League, which is it's not a course. It's it's live interactive group coaching that we do a couple times a week. Awesome. Definitely check it out. Tim is absolutely amazing. All right, Steve, <laughs> do you want to go next? Yeah, listen, I'm on, uh, you know, the Facebook. I think that's the way the kids say it. And uh, the LinkedIn <laughs> and uh, all of the things. Uh, and I'm, I'm a partner in productsofonce.com. Uh, I support the Empowery.com e-commerce nonprofit cooperative. Uh, we do a lot of stuff, awesomers.com podcast. You can find me online. I love entrepreneurs, and uh, I certainly uh, feel the pain of everybody out there right now. I'm That's right it. there with you. Right. Highly recommend um, awesomers.com podcast. It's it's really amazing. I'm a regular listener, so if, if, if you guys don't know about it, go check it out, awesomers.com. And uh, Steve, you, of course, also do a lot of Facebook Live videos. Those are much appreciated where you just come on and, you know, share information. So, yeah, definitely check out awesomers.com, guys. Kevin. The best one's when he's sitting there in his underwear. Those, those ones <laughs> that he just does from his house on a Saturday <laughs> night. What was it? Like happening a, now, couple, just so you know. A couple weeks ago, it's like a Saturday <laughs> night. Now. It was Steve on, Don't get up. <laughs> on, on Facebook Live at like 10 o'clock on a Saturday night. I was outraged <laughs> about something, I guarantee you. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're really good though. I mean, I tuned in. I was like, "Well, what's Steve saying? I gotta hear this." You know, <laughs> it must be good. Uh, but no. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, as far as me, you can reach me on uh, Facebook uh, under Kevin King is a good way. Uh, I'm also uh, uh, in partnership with Helium Ten Software. If you if you have access to the Helium Ten Software, I have a free course called Freedom Ticket. It's about a 60 hours of uh, in-depth training uh, on how to sell on Amazon. It's totally free. Uh, 
if you're a member of their of their uh, software tool, which I think is like ninety-seven dollars a month or something like that. Um, and then uh, uh, I do uh, the product savants uh, member a uh, partner of that. We help people find products uh, <clears throat> that are kind of it's like a product on a platter kind of thing. If you're an experienced Amazon seller, um, and then uh, yeah, I'm all over the place. So lots of places. Awesome. Yes. If you're just starting out on e-commerce, highly, highly recommend Kevin's course, uh, Freedom Ticket. It's absolutely free with uh, Helium 10, of course. I've uh, watched the videos as well. A lot of people I know have done the course. Highly, highly recommend it. You won't need anything else. Um, all right. So thank you so much, Tim, Steve and Kevin for joining us, sharing such great information. And um, let's hope we can meet in person sometime soon. For sure. <laughs> Yeah, I hope airplanes fly again. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah.